Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to My Ed Tech Life. You may be asking yourself, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Is it Saturday already? Wait a minute, where, where did Friday go? No, 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 you are correct. It is still Friday, but we are doing a special episode here on Friday. And you know, as you know, it's been an interesting change of time for My Ed Tech Life just due to uh, you know schooling. But I'm just so glad that today we were able to do a show. It's Friday, I'm officially on vacation and it just feels great to start my vacation just doing what I love and getting to talk to some of my great, great friends that I've been able to connect with within the last 18 months to have them here, share their stories, share their experiences, their passions. And so again, thank you so much. Every single one of you that is joining us this morning, um, you know, you're having your cup of coffee. Maybe some of you might still be, whether in your classrooms doing, you know, some last minute packing mm -hmm. and maybe you've got the show on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate y'all. And today we have a wonderful, wonderful show. I've got my friend uh, Patrick here who's joining us. And the title of our show today is Fail Forward into Innovation. And so I'm really excited about chatting today. But before we do that, let's go ahead and have Patrick introduce himself. So Patrick, how are you doing today? And introduce yourself to our audience, letting them know your context in education. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Fonz. I long time listener, first time caller, if you will. <laughs> but love being here. I am a supervisor of instructional technology as well as an ed tech coach in Clark County, Virginia, which is about as far north as you can go in Virginia. We actually touch West Virginia. And I'm in and out of a bunch of other things. I founded a nonprofit connected to my Google Innovator project called Unison EDU. I'm also an ASCD emerging leader. Me and Fonz actually, I believe, connected the first time through Global GEG. So we have a ton of different connections across the board as far as different PLNs we connect to. And I'm glad that those connections brought me here. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so excited. And, you know, like you said, it, it's through that power of connections that we were able to, you know, now be here today and working on projects and presentations and so on. And it's just been wonderful to be able to uh you know, get to know you, get to know where you're coming from, and also even learn from you because I know that you are also heavy on as far as presentations and mm -hmm. um, sharing and so on. So it's just been really exciting to be able to connect within the last 18 months and learn from one another. And now that you're here on the show, I get to interview you and ask you questions and really get uh, to dive down deep into who you are, your passions. And like, I know you mentioned your innovator project, so we'll definitely be talking about that. So definitely excited. And uh, thank you guys, all of you who are joining us right now, drop us a line, let us know where you're uh, joining us from. Oh, and we've got here from Pennsylvania, we've got Kurt who's joining us. That's my dad. 
<laughs> oh, that is yeah. okay. that is great. You know, this is you're the second guest that I have I had Brian Carpenter on, whose parents were on also and got to see them live, mm -hmm. and it was really cool. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. So Patrick, <laughs> let us know, before we get started into the fail forward into any innovation. Mm -hmm. We all have a beginning. We all have a start. We all have a story. So what I would love to know is what inspired you to go into education or think of that field as your profession absolutely i would say like a lot of people things kind of started obviously when i went through school i had some amazing teachers along the way and people that really made me took me a while to realize that they were kind of shaping my future and connecting that far in advance but people that really kind of believed in me and pushed me along and helped me to become the person i was or am and that's something where those connections, those things really propelled me to want to try and do that for other people as well. And I truly believe that though it's, we all know, not the best paid profession by any means, I think teaching is probably one of the professions, one of the only ones really, where you literally can touch the future about every day. All of those kids, all of those educators you connect with, every one of them is having an exponential impact out into the future. And we can't even begin to think about how many amazing things are going to happen from all of those connections. Wow. That is amazing. I love the way that you said that, you know, you're impacting the future, you know, you're, you're getting in touch with that future and it, it's so right. You know, you, you definitely hit it right on the head there as far as education, because I mean, imagine every single one of us in those classrooms, the, the number of students that have come by mm -hmm. and now what they're doing now. I mean, that is definitely amazing. So, one thing that I love that you mentioned, too, is that you had some wonderful teachers along the way that probably inspired you. And I mean, without having to name drop, but maybe is there maybe one specific teacher that you had and you really just said, wow, like the experience that I had here really solidified the the thought of me going into education or it could have been two or three. But, you know, if you'd love to share a little bit of that experience and maybe what grade level that was at. Yeah, I would say it's probably a combination of a few. I had a couple elementary teachers that really kind of helped to, like I said, kind of see me for me. I was a really smart kid. I was one of those go-getter kind of kids that could be a little trying because I, I was the kid in your class that would have a 99.5 and be like, what little piece can I do to get that 0.5? Like, I, I, need, I need to have that 100. What, what can I do? And people that would just, like, Pat, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, you're you're good the way you are, like you're getting there. And then as I got older, I also started to gain a lot of weight as I went through middle school and the high school. So as I went through some of those teachers and the people that, again, kind of helped push me, think a little bit differently, go a little deeper on things, but also people that didn't see me as the really nice, but big kid and feel sorry for me because I was big. Like when you're big, you know it, you don't necessarily need it to be pointed out, but people that really saw me for me and then supported that journey and didn't necessarily let me feel kind of comfortable with just being good at what I was doing. But what do you want to do? What's the next level? You're here now, you're doing awesome, but how can you take it a little bit further? And connecting back to those PLNs we kind of touched on at the beginning, that's the same kind of people that I try to surround myself with now. So not only did those teachers kind of push me to want to kind of pay it forward and be a teacher as well, but they framed that mindset of, never kind of being satisfied with just being kind of good and right where it is. What can you look for next? How can you make an even bigger impact, not only for yourself, but 
again, paying it forward to others and helping them kind of reach that personal greatness that they're seeking as well. Man, that is wonderful. I love that. And one thing that you said too is just uh, that paying it forward piece. And I, I definitely want to emphasize that because I, th there are many educators that I see that do that. And you are definitely one of the ones that really catches my eye when it comes to the phrase paying it forward because I have been able to see you in action. I have been able to uh, actually I thank you so much again for the invitation one day that uh, you gave me to come and present in front of some of your colleagues as well. Mm -hmm. And I talk about paying it forward and giving somebody outside of the organization, uh, you know, just a little bit of time just to be able to share our passions. And and now you're here today and, you know, sharing your passions. And I think that that is something that is wonderful. It is so valuable to be able to inspire others and, you know, helping them also by, you know, sharing sharing their talents and sharing their passions with other people and making those connections. And I, I think you are definitely one of the, you know, teachers or educators that is I see as an amazing connector. You definitely have a way of connecting people. And so I'm really uh, thankful for that and for all your teachers that inspired you to kind of helps you shape and, and see that potential in you and look at where you're at now. I'm definitely grateful for them that we have, you know, Patrick in, in our education world. And so I'm excited about that. And a uh, big shout out also here. We've got, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Jerry, Jerry's on Phil and Evan Rob. Thank you so much for joining us right now as we're watching live, wherever it is that you may be. I know some of you, I think work in, in some of them work in, in your district, correct? Yeah, I'm Phil Strunk is somebody I've worked with for years. He's unfortunately he's leaving our district this year, but he's going to be close by and we live close. Evan Robb is a principal at one of our middle schools. And I just saw Stephanie yeah. pop in, another amazing global connection there. So it's awesome to see those people. And again, those connections we've already touched on a few times come in here to, again, support you and kind of keep paying it forward because I'm sure they'll share some some knowledge in the chat for us too. Yes, for sure. Most definitely. So Patrick, let's talk a little bit more. I know uh, we were talking about as to how you were inspired to mm -hmm. be an educator, but let's talk about that very beginning. I know I've had a mm -hmm. conversation with you maybe about two or three months ago and you were very helpful in, in a project that I was working on. And um, I never knew uh, that you used to serve before prior to getting into education, you were serving our education community as a substitute. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and maybe how it didn't scare you off from going into teaching, but more than anything, you know, maybe how, how did that inspire you? What kind of say like, Hey, you know what? I really want to take this next step. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think and when we touched on it in that first conversation, I think we hit the same thing that a lot of times subs are unfortunately kind of overlooked, not only kind of on the teaching side, but also when we get to the flip side of offering PD, a lot of times we may not think of that audience. But I am originally from North Central Pennsylvania. And one of the ongoing jokes in a lot of our colleges in PA is that teachers are a leading export in the state of PA. We have a lot of great teaching schools, but not a whole lot of open jobs when they come open to the point of, I remember talking to one principal before I left that they had three open elementary jobs one year and they had 300 applications come in for every one of them. Wow. That's the kind of competition that can happen when you have those kind of schools and you have that few jobs coming open. So it's a very much a reality for people to need to sub, try and get some experience that way to get a little bit of a leg up as a 
try to get through that application process. So I subbed probably for a solid two years before I decided to move to Virginia and try really hard for that first full-time job. And subbing is definitely one of those things that can, as you said, scare you off or kind of give you a little bit more pause to think, reflect, and think, this is definitely what I want to do because as I would be in some of those classes, even that weren't in my first content area of social studies, I would see some of those lesson plans and I would see kind of in some cases what happened before, what might be coming afterwards. And those wheels were spinning for, well, I might tweak this little part. I wonder how that would impact the kids. I wonder if they'd get it a little more if I did this. Or what if I tried this little piece of tech that I just learned before I graduated? What kind of spin would that do? So I think that curiosity and that push to maybe want to tweak things and play with it was definitely something that I brought from that sub experience and kind of kept it going forward. And I would say the other piece of subbing that kind of helped too was in those spaces where you would have teachers that would trust the sub to actually teach, it was really impactful to begin to get some of that actual teaching experience versus putting on a video and giving a viewing guide or something like that. Because I, I had both ends of the spectrum where they really liked me because I could keep the kids in order. So a little bit of classroom management help there of like, this is one, traditionally a big worry new teachers have. And I, I'm doing all right. It's not the best, but I'm doing all right. But then the other side of when I could actually teach and do something in front of those kids, when some of the teachers, like I subbed in my high school I graduated from. So some of those teachers would know me and be like, yeah, you can teach. And I would have some people, of course, that would joke and be like, here's your lesson plan. It's two lines. Teach this. And that was scary, too. But at the same time, it was empowering. Like, they know me well enough. They trust me to try and make this happen. And I think it's something we really need to keep in the back of our mind that without our subs, we would be in a really tough place in education. This year, our district hired some subs that kind of were long-term subs, just helping out any day we needed it, we wouldn't have had the same education experience for our kids this year without them. And that's oh, something yeah. I really try and keep in the back of my mind that I really want to not only help offer PD to them, but also really keep that trust and tell our teachers, empower those subs to do some actual instruction. They can, sometimes their teachers coming into it, sometimes we, and you might've experienced this too, sometimes we actually get some career switchers that our subs love it, and then they come back and they teach for us. And building that foundation, caring for, for them at the time, really helps to start build that community that they want to be part of. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, and, and I think you're, you're absolutely correct as far as even during this time, we also, we did hire some long-term subs. And, you know, a lot of the subs were very familiar with our district as well. But you, like you said, we did have some um, even retired educators that kind of mm -hmm. came back to mm -hmm. sub to help. And then you've got those that are like career searchers. And I think that that's something that's wonderful too, that you said that, you know, establishing those relationships during that time and empowering them. I think that there you can also find maybe the next either great teacher that you may have mm -hmm. that a position may open up that they can come in. And I mean, they're coming in already knowing your district knowing the way things work and it, it just be just a natural transition into the classroom. But, you know, I, I love that you shared this with me because it does allow a different perspective as far as, you know, for myself, sometimes I see uh, our learning community, I, I go for the parents because sometimes I feel like sometimes it's hard, like parents are kind of overlooked in some cases. But in this, you just kind of opened my lens to 
that different area, which is the substitute teachers. That That is also, they are part of our learning community, even though you may say, well, they're only here for a day, they're only here for a half a day, but they can still make a positive impact. Mm -hmm. And much like yourself, they can be like, whoa, you know, this is something that I can see myself doing. And it's great that they, they can kind of get that springboard and go into education and you never know what they may do. And, and that's the wonderful part about it, just continuing mm -hmm. to help them grow. So I love that. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you, Steph. Also, I see Steph, she did put a, a comment here that subbing mm -hmm. helped her also feel secure on the ages that she wanted to work with as well. Thank you, Kelly, also, who's joining us. And we've got Kelly and Kelly so that are here. So she says, agree, having great subs makes a difference uh, and creating a culture where they want to come back. And that is key. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate your comments. Keep them coming. All right. So, Patrick, let's talk a little bit about this. We're, we're, ta we're talking about fail forward into innovation. Uh, you know, and one of the things is, you know, you went from uh, a substitute, then now you had a teaching role, and now you're supervisor of instructional mm -hmm. technology. So my question, just to kind of maybe lead up a little bit more into this conversation, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about innovator and so on. But from what you can remember, you know, as early on in your experience, what is one example of a mistake or failure that you experienced uh, that was maybe memorable? And what did you learn from it? So I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple here. The first thing that I can remember failing if we go way back, and I, I think it was called a skill pad workbook in elementary school, was probably about third grade. So we're going back a decent stretch here. But it had three questions on it, and I missed one question. And I don't even remember what it was on. I think it was maybe reading. But the big thing that I remember was missing a question and getting that 66 at the top and thinking, oh, no. This is awful. This is the first thing I've ever failed. This, But the thing that really made it a failure for me was that there wasn't any feedback that went with that. It wasn't, hey, you got two out of three. That's really good. Or you missed this one. Maybe try reading this piece a little clearer. So that lack of kind of feedback and reflection is what really made it feel like I had failed, like I had done something wrong because I, I didn't know where to go from there. But probably, and it's kind of a mix because I, Part of me thinks that some of it was a failure. Part of me thinks it wasn't. But my first year teaching was probably one that it was it was legitimately after that year was a 50-50 chance of I was going to continue on in education or I was going to be completely done. And just every day was kind of a struggle of, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And then at one point, um, I actually was in a meeting with the administrator. And it was probably the point where I would say, I was kind of broken at that point in the year. And that was when I got the question of, have you ever considered something other than education to do? And at that point I was like, I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing wrong, but somewhere along the lines, I've done something really wrong here and I'm not sure how to write this ship. And that was probably the lowest point in the education side to like present day being the supervisor is probably one of the highest roles, but I think a lot of us can find a moment in time where when we've had that rough time where that failure almost tipped the stage to, I'm kind of done, I got to do something else to almost like launching you a completely different way. And I would say those are two that stick out. And of course there's more. And I'll touch on one more thing before I, I lose my train of thought, but 
one thing I've learned over the years, and I think this was um, on Twitter, he's known as the EdTech Rabbi, Mr. Cohen. Yeah. He brought up the phrase that I've kind of kept in the back of my mind since then, and that is fail is the first attempt in learning. And anytime I have little setbacks and things, I always try and remember that. And then I think Corey Orlando on Twitter was the first one I saw kind of post the fail forward. And that is where I started thinking of all of these things and how do those failures kind of push that forward. And that's where I touched on that reflection, that feedback piece, and how those all kind of tie together there. Wow, that is great. And I agree with you, Patrick, actually, as far as the feedback piece being something that could be very crucial, because sometimes, like you said, like that feeling that you had that's just hanging and looming over you saying like, well, what would I do? And, you know, mm-hmm. and we we may not understand it right then and there, but it's very important. And I know that now it's like, you know, it's give student feedback, give student mm-hmm. feedback. And I know that for maybe a lot of educators to be, oh, that just takes too long. That just does this. But you know, that feedback can be something that can be very helpful to put some of those kids at ease. And even if you think about it as ourselves, when they just say, okay, this is what you got, or maybe your professor just says, okay, here's your grade and, and mm-hmm. that's it. But well, how can I improve? What could I have done different? Man, that that really like gets gives you that ugly little feeling there in your chest, and then all the the wheels start spinning, and you're like, well, what a, what can I do? So I definitely, yeah, I know that's one of the things that I, I share with our educators, our teachers. You know, please give feedback to the students. Don't leave them hanging because mm-hmm. that's something so important. Well, let's talk a little bit then now. You know, that the failing forward piece. I love what you said as far as. Um, you know, first attempt in learning and then, of course, you know, failing forward. And, you know, I think it's it's all in the way that we f- we frame that, you know, oftentimes, mm-hmm. I mean, failure, we, we all experience it at one time and it's what you do after it, you know, think about it, you reflect, see what you could do better. Um, and then, of course, it's we had this discussion in one of the Codebreaker lounges and being able to see, you know, uh, how we can reframe that word, that mistake, that failure. And I think like one big hit last week when I had Al Kingsley on, he used that phrase that failures are just stepping stones to Mm -hmm. success. And I think that that's also a great way to reframe that because now you can see it as this is just one step forward into where I'm, I'm headed, where I want to be. And like you said, your experience from going as a, from being a teacher in the classroom and now a supervisor. I mean, and like you said, there could be countless little mini, mini stepping stones that you went through, but that eventually got you into this position. And now, you know, bringing more innovation into the classrooms with your job. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like that transition from your role as an educator now into a supervisor role of, of instructional technology. How, how did that transition? Was it a natural progression? Um, you know, did they just see, see what you were doing and say, hey, you know, uh, or just can you walk us through that process? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll step back just to that kind of failure point and the tipping point, like I had mentioned. The, as I finished that year, one of the things I do want to give a huge shout out to, and it, it's part of that reflection, part of that feedback, is when something's really not going right with one person, like for whatever reason, me and my administrator that year, just we were not on the same page. But there were veteran teachers, there were other people there that really stepped in to be de facto mentors and people that I could go to and be like, this is kind of what I did. Can you observe this lesson? How did it really go? 
And that's where that failure started to branch away from being a failure to more of that stepping stone or that minor little inconvenience on the road to getting better. And it was that lack of feedback that I could understand, not just the, you're doing a really bad job. Stop there. It was, well, maybe you did this, but maybe if you tweak this part, or what do you think you could do better here? That helpful kind of prodding to reflection really helps you kind of spin that a different way. And ending the year kind of talking to some of those people that didn't, again, didn't necessarily say like, you're knocking out of the ballpark. You're awesome. Like I knew I wasn't quite hitting my stride. I didn't want people to just give me the fluff. I wanted the actual kind of hard hitting feedback if needed and talking to those people that would give me honest account of both sides. That then allowed me to say, all right, I'm going to try one more job. I'm going to go away from the city a little bit, go to more of a rural place. And that's when I applied for the job at Clark County, where I work now as an instructional technology coach and going into that interview, all of those nerves and things were there from coming off of that really rough year. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking of those people I connected with that were telling me like, you're doing well, like you just, this isn't just quite the right fit. And walking into the interview, as I started to talk to people in that panel, it was a different feel. I mean, and not any knock on this at all, but a lot of the people were just more casually dressed too. One of the people that in, ended up being somebody that I worked with almost every day, every day was kind of laid back in his chair, had his hands in his suspenders. Like it, it was just a different feel. Like I was sitting down with friends, even though I didn't quite know them yet. And that gave me a bit of comfort to be able to be myself a little bit more. And then that got me into the ed tech kind of coaching role more so than what I was doing my first year, which was coaching, but also teaching eight classes of my own, leading trainings, doing a ton of things as a first year teacher with before school and after school clubs. Looking back now, I know I was just drawn out too thin. But once I got into this role, smaller school, a little bit slower pace, and I had a direct mentor that, again, helped me out to kind of push me, but also recenter me when I needed it. That kind of started kind of a natural tra trajectory kind of upward as I connected with more people. I learned how things worked in this system a little bit more. And I started to see and be able to isolate little gaps. Like we have like three or four people with a hand in this pot over here, but nobody's really guiding them. So we have four or five people kind of just going any which way they want. Maybe we should have somebody in more of a leadership role. So then I started tiptoeing, doing more of those things, even though it wasn't my role. But that was one of those where I might have been starting to overextend myself, working more than I needed to. But it also started to prove or justify the need for somebody in that role that could help align things, help push things in the direction of our strategic plan and pushing us forward. And th as that got noticed more, when I actually got my supervisor role kind of solidified or actually on my contract, it was very much in the, we're not actually going to give you more to do. This is recognizing all of those things you're already doing and really what your role should have been. So it was very much a natural kind of projection projection and building up to it. And I think that really helped because a lot of times, if something's just a direct top down, you might have the budget money there for it. And obviously you have a superintendent or somebody behind you. But if those things are kind of forced from that top side, that's not necessarily going to get you that buy-in and things of the teachers. 
So teaching a class of my own when I first came here for a few years and really working with teachers first, building those relationships, that really helped to allow me to kind of keep going up. But one thing I did do when I took this role was really asked to maintain that connection to the classroom. I didn't, I knew I wouldn't necessarily have the time or be able to block out to teach my own class anymore, but I still wanted that tech coach role because I don't want to just be completely on one side and seen as like over in this ivory tower. I want to be able to get in with teachers, co-teach with teachers. So they know like I can still do this thing. Like I'm, I'm not just telling you these things work. Like I'm willing to come in and do it. And at the same time, I'm willing to come in and do it, fail in front of you, fail in front of the kids, and then work with you to figure out how we can make that a fail forward instead of just a face plant. And we're not going to use that anymore because it was awful. Now, how can we tweak it? How can we collaborate and make it better? Man, that is amazing. And like you said, it's the power of relationships and just being able to be seen and being being there in the trenches with them. And I think that's something that is so important that, you know, they still see you as, hey, I mean, you're like you said, you're not just up there. It's like, hey, you know, he's he's here. He's Mm -hmm. he's in the grind of things and he's still putting things into practice. And one of the things that I love, too, that you said, you know, that even if you go in there and something doesn't quite work, it just shows how, you know, this is the way that education is. There's some things where, you know, you plan out a great lesson and it may not go the way that you want it to, but it doesn't mean that it, it could, it's a failure. I mean, you can just pause and reflect. And oftentimes I would do that where something wasn't working. I say, you know what, guys, let's, let's take a pause. Let's, let's either revisit mm-hmm. this tomorrow. Let's move on. And But the students, a lot of them were like, oh, no, let's try this. And how about if we do it this way and so on? You build that community. and But that's great, though. Like, you're building that connection with those teachers and that's always something that's very important. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I've got Omar here joining us also. Omar, thank you so much for joining us. Omar is actually here. He's my neighbor, <laughs> you know, nice. here. Uh, so it's a, always great. So, you know, Kelly here says your desire for constructive criticism is feel for growth. Great, great comment mm-hmm. there. We've got Phil and you still uh, co-taught at the beginning of the year with me, which is mm-hmm. always a blast. And we've got Kelly here as an, ITS student centered coach. It is it's my favorite part of the job. There you mm-hmm. go. So wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody, for all of your comments and participating. So let's talk a little bit about your Google Innovator project. And I kind of want to bring this up just because also uh the Google Innovator uh applications are open in APAC. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think they're open in the US yet. I haven't seen anything come up. But let's talk a little bit about that, uh, Patrick, and your personal experience. Uh, with that, how did you first find out about the Google Innovator mm-hmm. Academy and what what sparked that interest into going into this? Yeah, so I would say kind of the journey probably would have started all the way back to about 2008 when I was student teaching. I got, I luckily got one classroom and I say lucky because it really gave me both sides. I had one classroom that was literally still chalk and a chalkboard. And then I had one where they had a cart of MacBooks and like the old school white clamshell MacBooks, if you remember those. And they had just got a pilot for Google Apps for Education. So that's obviously stepping back because Google's changed names, I think, at least two or three times (laughs) since then. So, But I started getting that feel then of things. And then once I came to Clark, I started leading cohorts through the old Google Certified Educator program. And Fonz, I don't know if you took these or not, but that was when you needed to take, I think it was five different tool-specific tests 
and they were 60 question, multiple choice questions. Mm -hmm. And if you passed all five, you were a Google certified educator. And I still remember that one of the questions in Gmail was how many labels can you apply? Or how many stars are there? Like it was down through the super nitty gritty. I'm like, I don't ever need to know this, but I think it's this. But all of those things really started to plant those seeds. And as I then went through that, did more trainings, connected with more people, got more comfortable there. I went for Google certified trainer. And that was one I believe I applied at least two, if not three times. So that's again, another situation where there was some stepping stones to get to where I wanted to. And each time you go back and Fonz, I don't know if you had this same experience, but I went back to my PLN and said like, I didn't get in, like, am I just not good enough for this? Like, should I not be trying? They're like, you should tweak these little things or maybe make it more personal, make it more something you're really passionate about. Don't try and make it what you think Google wants. And that helped on the trainer side, but on the innovator side, which again was another two or three times applying, that's when it really hit for me. My first two attempts were really much Back, going back to like taking a step back, unfortunately, to what I think Google wants. What's super techie Google thing that I can pitch? And it didn't go. And then I took a step back and I thought, what what is something I'm really passionate about? What is something that as I talk about it, that passion is going to come out? They're going to see that. They're going to hear that through my words. And that's when I pitched the idea that became Unison EDU and it's that idea of schools not having the resources, whether it's money, whether it's people to do the professional learning and get the teachers what they need, Be whether, it, again, whether it's money, whether it's people, but that idea of paying it forward and helping to be that bridge between, I don't know what I don't know, and okay, now I know it, how do I actually implement it and use it? And trying to bring all those worlds together, assemble a team that's willing to volunteer Again, do most of these things for free and just help that thing go forward. And that kind of realignment to a passion and something that's core to you is that thing that really stepped it from, I think Google might like this to, in all honesty, I'm passionate about this enough that I will probably try and make this happen myself. But if I can get into this Google Academy, that's going to help me really take it another step. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that that you said, because for many, many of you that don't know, I mean, for a lot of the innovators, uh, you know, it's not it wasn't always the first time around for some. It was the second for you. It was the third. I know that we've got a mutual friend of ours. I think he applied six times prior before he got in. Uh, but like you said, it was very important that it, the feedback piece and mm -hmm. it, it was what you just said right now also was something that resonates with me because at the time I wasn't as, as a connect, I wasn't a connected educator as much as I am now. And now I realize the power of connections. But the first time around when I saw innovator application to me, because I didn't, I, I wasn't connected with many others. It was just like, Oh, okay. It's just kind of like the trainer, but just the application's just a little longer. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what ended up happening. I, I ended up just doing something that was very similar to the trainer application or the video uh, and then I applied and then slowly, once I got my, my reply back, um, I posted like, Hey, I didn't get in and it was for NYC 19. Mm. So I didn't get in for that. So I, I, everybody was posting, Hey, I got in, I got in and I put like, okay, I didn't get in this time, but you know, next time. And it was at that moment that 
I actually had a, a person that I follow who I didn't know was an innovator, but he actually reached out to me. And I always tell the story, you know, I received a message in, in my DM from Micah Shippy, and <laughs> Micah is like, hey, next time you apply, contact me and we'll walk you through this and see, you know, and sure enough, when those applications opened up, you know, for uh, this last year for 20, you know, before VIA 20, uh, I contacted him and he's like, all right, let's talk and gave feedback and gave some great advice. And he just said, just keep connecting with other innovators. And then that's what I ended up doing because that feedback piece was very important. And so definitely the power of connection, that feedback piece. But also, I think one little thing that to note is you mentioned, you said, you know, even if I, even if this isn't an innovator project, you were still passionate enough mm -hmm. to say, Hey, I'm going to make it happen. But sometimes, you know, that PLF can definitely spark that and say, mm -hmm. you know what, like I can do this, let's move forward with this. And so that's amazing. So I'm, I'm glad to hear your journey. And for those of you that are interested in applying, as you know, I didn't get in the first time. Patrick didn't get in his first time. There are countless others that didn't get in their first time, but we're always here to help, you know, and in any way, shape or form that we can. And uh, so, yeah, so that's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about more about Unison EDU. I know you mentioned it, what it is to do to help, but where did, where did that passion stem from? You said, you know, was it the experience that you saw where maybe students, teachers didn't have funds and how do you go about maybe bringing some of those resources uh, or making them available? So I'll connect to an odd connection, but small world connection. Micah Shippey was a coach at LAX 18 in the Innovator Academy I went through. He was not my coach, but he was definitely in there. So I, I can definitely attest to Micah being willing and also obviously me and Fonz being willing to help out there. And I will say it's definitely that passion that connects to help that you're going to make this happen. But connected to what you said, that innovator academy that professional learning network or i liked how you put it and i think others put it the plf or professional learning family that it becomes that took unison edu from an idea that i was going to kind of do pro bono things myself and just kind of do it as me i i will donate time i will do my thing i'll do as much as i can do to really being what what could be your moonshot goal or what's your 10x goal what could this be if you dream as big as you think you can, what could it be? And that's when it became very much not about me, but becoming that team, becoming an actual full-fledged nonprofit and assembling a team big enough that we can obviously affect change, be a force for good in education, not only in Virginia, but branch out across the U.S., maybe even branch out further than that. And part of the kind of push to make this happen or the background was... At the same time I was working through Innovator, I was also finishing a second master's degree in leadership. And as I read more and more, I started to learn more, really Virginia specific, but I think it definitely goes wider than that, that certain places, even if it's a state mandate and there's some state funds, they still can't get all of those different positions that are supposed to happen. Like for instance, a tech coach in Virginia, it, every district is supposed to have one tech coach per thousand students at a minimum which is great for it to be said, but the money that comes from the state doesn't actually pay for that position in entirety. So you still have to be able to support that in-house to make it happen. And some districts just can't do that amount or some districts might not have any coaches. And obviously with COVID and before that, 
having that person that can help you through, especially if you're not comfortable, can make a huge difference. And then ramping it up from there, my thought was, it's great to be on the ed tech side and assemble a team there. But why not make Unison even bigger than that? Why not dream it kind of forward even further? So then we started to look at bringing in some building administrators. Our superintendent is on there. We have some actual classroom teachers that aren't tech coaches. Because my hope is that eventually Unison becomes a place where no matter what your role is in education, we have somebody that we can connect you to directly if need be that can help you talk through things, help you plan, help you collaborate. And on the flip side, we're also there. We can do trainings. We can help you lead events. We can help you do it in-house. We can bring our own people in to augment. And then on the other side, and we're coming around a whole bunch of sides, I know. But one of the things we also want to do when we go into districts, because a lot of times it's going to be those districts that might be a little more rural or might have a harder time recruiting, retaining teachers. I also try and schedule an interview after we work with some of the districts to get an idea of like, what's really great about this place? What can we do to help showcase this, whether it's a blog or a video? What can we do and give you that then continues to pay it forward? Hopefully our training, hopefully our knowledge will help, but also what can we do to give you another piece that helps build you up, keeps you going forward? So right now we have our blog, we have the website at unisnedu.org. We're still building the team out. We just adopted a new diversity inclusion statement that we worked with some great educators, oddly enough, connected to the Innovator Academy, Miss um, EdTech Ari. I worked with her, connected with her to really help craft that and put some language in there that is actually pushing us to make sure it's not a performative thing, because we know right now, and full disclosure, our team is not as representative of the educators and of the districts we want to go into as we're comfortable with. We know we need more representation. We know we need more diversity. And we don't want to go forward with a lot of things until we have that, because we know how important that is. And it's never a thing where we want to check a box. If it's about checking a box, then unison goes away for me. For me, it's about the fact that when we go into a district and we train teachers, we work with teachers, we work with students, we want them to be able to see themselves in us and not just take our knowledge because we're an expert, but we have people with similar backgrounds, similar experiences. We want you to be able to see yourself in us and see that that knowledge works not only over where we are, but those knowledge, those best practices can work and help you. And we're getting ready to plan an event, hopefully in the near future, like I said, we have the blog, the website, we're posting resources there. We just opened it up for guest bloggers, guest webinars. So if anybody's out there watching this, wants to jump in and help out, think about maybe a guest blog post, or if you want to do a webinar, connect up with me, we'll make it happen. Excellent. Yeah. And I did pop those links in, Pat, as you were, Thank uh, you. Patrick, as you were saying that, and you know, that's so inspirational. You know, one of the things right now that, that in one of my courses, we're talking about, you know, STEM, STEM implementation, you know, why our numbers are low. But I think you hit on something that really, you know, stuck out, the the representation piece that, you know, you're coming in and maybe some of those educators, they can't see themselves in you. Like they just kind of see you as maybe that subject matter expert and not relatable in that sense. And, and the question is always, or the comment, you know, when outside people come in and do PD is like, well, what do they know? I mean, they don't know our district. They don't know our makeup, but they're coming in, giving us things that may work for them, 
you know, in their particular districts or in their spe- specific fields or areas, but that wouldn't kind of, that wouldn't work here. And mm-hmm. so I love mm-hmm. that you're really trying to bring in that representation and really make everybody, you know, just feel approachable, have that relationship, mm-hmm. have that experience that you said. And so I'm really excited about this project. And so guys, please go check out those links that I popped in. I put in uh, uh, Patrick's uh, Twitter handle in there as well. You can follow him on Twitter. I put in the Unison EDU website and I did put uh, Patrick's website up. So go check them out. You know, you can definitely hear Patrick's passion for this project and how great it can be and the opportunities that you yourself as an educator or part of the education community, how you may contribute to as well. And that's a, that's a great way to pay it forward as well. And as we continue to grow our educator community. So that's amazing, Patrick. So that's wonderful. So now that, tell us a little bit more just about your academy experience. I know you had face-to-face mm-hmm. academy. I had virtual academy. So just for our audience members that are listening, you know, maybe there might be a chance where that face-to-face piece might come back at some mm-hmm. point or not. Uh, but what was your experience like? I would say, and I, I this was oddly enough was one of the coaches kind of spark talks or kind of inspirational talks during the academy, but it was a huge piece of imposter syndrome for me, at least at the beginning. Um, first, I one of the ones I applied for was DC that I didn't get accepted to. I thought, oh, that's right down the road. Awesome, I can make that happen. And then I applied for LAX 18. I'm like, I'm super passionate about this. I want to make it happen, but I have no idea how I'm going to get to Los Angeles. That's literally completely on the other side of the country. I don't know if I can even make that happen. Luckily, everything fell into place and it worked out. But I remember just that's the longest flight I've been on. Everything was kind of a first as we went through. We, My wife was able to go with me. So that was an awesome kind of support. But it was also then a shared experience. But we, we had an Airbnb and it was it was really cool on that side. But just like walking a block to the beach. Again, never had that before. But then that first day walking up to Google and being like, oh, geez, like this is an actual Google office. I'm about to walk into here with, these are legit Google people. Like I, I act like I, I know what I'm talking about. And I think maybe a little more than that. I think I do know what I'm talking about on a lot of it, but these are actual Google people. And these people that are going to be my coaches are people I've followed on Twitter for years. And I, I feel like I kind of know them, but I don't know them well enough to be super comfortable. But we walked in and there was 30 plus of us in the cohort. There were balloons and decorations and different things. And it was just, as soon as you walked in, it was a different feel. Like you were energized as you were walking in. But in the back of my mind, I still had that feeling as we started through things. Like, did they make a mistake? Like, Maybe they sent me the wrong email. Like, cause, And oddly enough, one of the ones I didn't get into I got the email that said, we're sorry to tell you, you didn't get in. But then I got added to the Google group like two weeks later, as if I had gotten in. I was like, wait, did I did I not get in or did I get in? I, I don't know. <laughs> but they did a really great job throughout of really pushing you. And that's like, like I said, Unison was not a thought before the academy. Before the academy, it was just me. What can I do? But during the academy, going through the design process, hearing the different talks throughout those three days really just pushed me, honestly, completely out of my comfort zone. But that's where Unison became a thing. We always see that graphic when we see different keynotes of kind of your your box, your comfort zone, and then the magic happens over here. It was literally one of those scenarios where that was the true thing. My comfort zone, my introvert box would have probably been like, 
can I somehow like sit on the side and everybody else does things over here? I'll, I'll absorb, I'll be good. But you're, you're plunged in. You have to do talks in front of your group. You have to do different things that really force you to think differently and think bigger. And I, I love one of the things I really have heard over the years that I really helped me believe it there too was kind of think big, but dream bigger. And that's one of those things the Academy really pushed out of me. And I think you can attest to that, even though it was virtual, that that group that you go through that experience with really almost instantly becomes a professional learning network. And then you maintain those connections for years and it becomes that professional learning family. When you need resources, when you need ideas, boom, you have those people supporting you the whole way through. Nice. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. I think it, it was definitely for us, it was very different. Obviously it was, everything was virtual and it was over eight weeks, but I think like you said, some of those things that you touched on, on the, the think big, I mean, I've always been a big thinker and that's why my wife, sometimes she's like, I know you can do it. She goes, but, and sometimes my ideas are like out, but she's like, no, like I, mm -hmm. I know you can do it. And, and it's think big. And that, that's something mm -hmm. that I love. And that really just, they really get that out of you and you just think big, dream bigger. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden um, you start doing things that you maybe didn't even know that you were going to do, but because they bring that passion out mm -hmm. such as this, I mean, uh, you know, Maya tech life ended up being my innovator project. You know, I rang the fail bell. So believe it or not, guys, I did mm -hmm. fail in some sense. I rang that fail bell because I was going in to innovator with one idea in mind and then that just completely just turned right back around into something else. And even my coach, it was funny because my coach, Dr. Shan, thank a big shout out to Dr. Shan. She she I guess she was just kind of waiting in the background because when I when I texted her and said, Hey coach, I rang the fell bell, she's like, I was wondering what you were gonna do when you were gonna do that because mm -hmm. it seemed like your project really took a different route a way mm -hmm. while back and now so uh she's been very helpful and very uh you know uh just inspirational in the process as well but like you said you know immediately you have that family that you can go to you know mm -hmm. whether it's through your coach also your cohort you know staying in contact with them and seeing the amazing things they're doing so it's definitely a great way like you said great resources a lot of great learning and it becomes definitely a family for for because you build that bond so that's something that's amazing all right so patrick as we kind of start wrapping up here i just wanted to ask it last three last three questions here and these are kind of questions just to put you on the spot here but where do you see yourself in the next five years Ooh, that's a good question and one that is actually part of our interview process i we asked that question with a number of new teachers this year that are coming in and it, it's always a tough question of kind of I know where I am right now, but I don't I don't necessarily know what five years is going to bring. And part of that makes me kind of happy because in my life, I am very much that type A personality, that borderline perfectionist that loves to have everything planned out. So it actually makes me kind of happy when I can't hear that question and go, this is me in five years. But with that in mind, I also can't stop myself from thinking about it and trying to plan ahead a bit. So I would say on a personal side, I'm really hopeful as my wife and me work through some processes and things in the background that I will be a dad within that five-year span. So that's definitely something I'm really looking forward to on the personal side. On the other side, I really hope that the Unison team grows exponentially and really becomes that force in education that I hope it would 
to be on closing digital equity gaps, really getting educators what they need. And as our slogan says, like helping all educators in need by having them learn together. And like I said, and I know not many of us in education were fans of No Child Left Behind, but spinning that in a different way, I really hope Unison makes it so there are no educators that are left behind. Everybody has the different pieces they need. And I would also say, and I know I'm going through more than one, but the I really hope that I can, on the personal side, to recommit to kind of a commitment to self-care a little bit more than I have throughout COVID, throughout things kind of leading up to that. Um, and I know you know this, Fawns, through the global share that I did, but I lost my mom in January. Yeah. And that experience, and I kind of saw it coming, but I let it happen because I knew it would distract me. I really dove into work and I've put too much hours on myself. I've committed to too much. So I'm really hoping I can kind of recenter, reconnect and kind of make that commitment to taking better care of myself so I can continue to pay it forward, give to Unison, give to my job, make that new teacher experience something our, our incoming teachers aren't going to forget. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and like, uh, one of the things that I w did want to add to that, it's like, you know, we, we all felt it, you know, that moment, you know, you put it out there and I know it's not easy to put out there, but uh, I think it's just uh, also the, the, that we were there for you. And, and mm -hmm. I know we talked about this in one of the projects that I had done, you know, just it, it's that, it's that family. It's not that extended mm -hmm. family. Like, I mean, we were all there for you and um, you know, and I think that that's something that, you know, was important also that support and mm -hmm. I'm glad that, you know, you're going to have that time to recenter. And I'm so excited about, you know, Unison EDU in the next five years. I'm so excited about you personally, you know, you and your family and everything in the next five years. And definitely we, we, we need you, Patrick. We definitely need you as a, as an edgy leader. Like I like to call, you know, many people that are here, you know, seeing you and the type of work that you do and the passion that you have for it and that vision that you have, you know, we definitely need, need you around. So take care of yourself. All right, my friend. All right. And the next thing, Patrick, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? <laughs> I'll put out the one I like to joke with first and then a more logis realistic one, but I I'm huge into the outdoors and I do a lot of hunting when I can in my free time. And something my dad always used to have growing up on a sign was born to hunt, forced to work. So that might be one on the personal side. And then on kind of the more realistic side, that's something I really believe in is a quote and I, I don't want to get it right. So I'm going to read it off of here, but live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you'll live forever. And that, that comes from Gandhi. And it's something that I really believe it's on my Twitter screen there. But it, I really think that in education, we profess to be lifelong learners a lot of times. And I think it's something where you got to live in the moment. You got to take care of yourself so you can live as if you could die tomorrow. But on the second side, you got to keep learning. You got to keep current. You got to keep pushing yourself so that as you live longer and longer, you, you do have that peace. You have that going forward. Excellent. Well said, my friend. And last but not least, if you and I could switch roles, what would be a question you'd like to ask me? Hmm. So one thing that I've hit a few times, and it was a difficult answer for me to come up with, so I'll throw it your way, is after a year like COVID, shouldn't we ditch ed tech for the most part next year and kind of recenter in person and kind of let the tech go off because we've done so much this year? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's very important to establish that in the very beginning, just building the, those relationships. And of course, that SEL piece. And I have always been a proponent of the tech is a tool. It's a supplement. It's a resource to help enhance a learning experience. And that's really what my vision is, is just reframing, you know, instead of like lessons. And it's it's an experience that you're building, you know. And I always say students don't remember the teachers that helped them pass the state exam. They remember those that created a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And of course, along the way, they, of course, they pass the exams, but it's through the experience that they mm -hmm. have, whether it's all tech related, semi-tech, even if it's on paper or pencil. But I think the most important part, like you said, is we need to center in and hone in on that relationship piece um, you know, mm -hmm. building that uh, community within our students, within our teachers, within our colleagues. And, um, you know, that it's something that's very important. Now, my biggest fear is like, you, you know, it's kind of like, oh, ditching the tech altogether. I was like, mm -hmm. well, we, we can't. You know, one of the things is, you know, we want to prepare our students for their future. And of course, even through state testing, um, you know, like I said, mm -hmm. state testing is going to require some of that tech. But, you know, I, I do feel that that relationship component is going to be a major and a very crucial piece once we come back and, and just kind of, you know, getting that new normal, that feel, mm -hmm. that comfort. So I don't know. I'm really excited about what's happening. You know, it's almost that fear of the unknown, but that's kind of like where that innovation kind of happens too as well. You mm -hmm. never know. So I'm really excited about that and looking forward to that. But yeah. But don't don't ditch the tech. Please yeah. don't ditch all the tech. <laughs> it's all about, and what I come around to, it's about meaningful tech use. So when you're thinking about mm -hmm. using tech, it's not something that if you're using tech just to use tech, that's the tech you should ditch. 100%, no questions asked. But if it opens an opportunity, if it provides something that was never possible in your classroom before, if it gives those students voice and choice and adds something to that lesson, that project, what they're doing, that's the tech you should absolutely never ditch. That's the tech you should build on and keep rolling with. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And and see, a lot of the PD that I've done, uh, you know, during the summer is based on creativity creation tools. Uh, we're gonna get a, mm -hmm. Adobe uh, coming this coming week on oh. the 13th. We're gonna get nice. Adobe training. We're gonna do the level one, level two cert for our district for teachers because of that creative component, mm -hmm. you know, being able to visualize the learning, create a learning artifacts, whether it's through, like you said, video, whether it's audio, whether it's through uh, graphics and so on, because we we have different types of learners. It's like multimodal learners, yet, you know, up to like maybe last year, I was always saying we have multimodal learners and a unimodal state exam. But now, yeah. you know, even the state exams are switching to, now you've got the drag and drops, you've got manipulatives, you've got mm -hmm. hotspots and so on. So. I don't know, but I, I love that the, the voice and choice, creating that experience, that's something that's memorable for the students. So yeah, for sure. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for being here today. I am really excited that I really got to dive in a little bit deeper and got get to know you, but more most importantly, that our audience members get to know you more and get to see where you came from, your, your beginnings, your passions, where you're at now, what your plans are. And I did put in uh, the your Twitter handle. I did put in the websites for, um, 
or for Unison EDU, mm -hmm. I did put the P House EDU as well. That way our listeners can connect with you and then you can continue awesome. to grow your PLF as well. And as always, my friend, as a guest here, you're always welcome back at any time. So anytime maybe something huge is happening with uh, Unison EDU, you're always welcome to come back and share it. You are part of my PLF. And uh, before we leave, also, I want to thank you for always being, you know, just so genuine, so supportive, and most importantly, also for giving opportunities to those of us, you know, that, you know, maybe outside of your district. But mm -hmm. again, it really meant a lot to have that opportunity uh, to just be there, present for 15 minutes in front of uh, some of your colleagues. And uh, that was a wonderful experience. So thank you for paying it forward in that way, because that inspires me also to help others as well and just to continue to grow our community. So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. I appreciate you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I love being here. I love talking. I love it, kind of getting to know you more, getting the word out there more. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity as somebody and people that get to know me realize I, I definitely, as I know you, I talk a lot more, but I tend to be very introverted. So I thank you for letting me get outside of that bubble a bit, letting me get out there and share. And anybody else out there, whether it's Unison, whether it's something I can help, reach out anytime. We'd love to amplify your voice, give you a platform through Unison EDU. And on the flip side, if you want to help me keep bursting out of my bubble and keep getting word out there more. If you have a blog, if you have a podcast, definitely hook me up and I'd be willing to get out there and help share too. And as always fun, like I said, awesome to be here. Awesome to connect with you again. Really appreciate oh. it. Yes, sir. You got it, my friend. And for those of you that are watching right now live, uh, make sure you catch us tomorrow, too, as well. Tomorrow, we've mm -hmm. got Tim Cavey, Mr. Teachers on Fire, is going to be here, a guest on our show. It's it's called Podcaster on Fire. And I'm just so excited also to mm -hmm. talk to Tim. Many of you, you know, educators may know Tim. He's the man with the voice. And uh He's got a great podcast, and so we're just really excited to have you get to really know Tim as well. Just as Patrick was here, we're definitely going to give him, get him to open up and answer some of your questions as well. But again, Patrick, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. And to all our audience members that are watching or catching us on the replay, thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. If it isn't for viewers like you who show your support and connecting with our amazing guests, you know, we would wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. This is my passion, my mission, my vision is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. So if you're ever interested in sharing your story, much like Patrick has done or all of our previous guests, make sure you visit our website at www.myedtech.life myedtech.life and you can go ahead and contact us and we'd love to hear your story what you love to share and see when we can get you on because we definitely want to connect educators all around the world so thank you all i appreciate you all and hopefully we'll see you guys here tomorrow so y'all take care and until next time stay techie my friends